Lords of Limited is proud to be brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, it is Masters Weekend at Augusta, and Tiger is one shot off the lead as we are recording. How do you feel about that? I'm sorry, I just fell asleep listening to you talk about that. What What are you saying? <laughs> Wait, no, you don't. You don't like the Masters? Come on, come on. So this is there are there are two Masters in sports, right? There's tennis and golf. That's correct. And Tiger Woods, I know, plays tennis. <laughs> oh my God, get out of here! <laughs> it's very exciting. the The golf this weekend is very exciting. The sports club. It's very exciting. They're teeing off early. I, I set up our show recordings so that I'd be able to watch the Masters in the afternoon, but they debated me and they switched the times to the morning because there's weather coming in. So I'm missing the Masters right now. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. I've got I've got the DVR going. We're going to be oh, great. Okay. I'm going to be all be settled fine. in. Your afternoon's going to be great. Maybe a little magic on the side. Maybe a little magic on the side. Probably not. Masters is relaxing time. There's also like, I mean, especially for a man like you who's not really into Legacy Cube, there's there's not much out there for, for a Ben Wernie these days. There is not. I did not play much Magic this week if we check in on the trophy leaderboard. Uh, I did two drafts on Magic Online to test out the London Mulligan rule, and we'll talk about that in just a bit. So I'm now 60 drafts deep, 126 and 50 record, racked up another trophy. So I've got 21 trophies and still holding strong at a 72% win rate. Nice. I have not touched Ravnica Allegiance. I've been all cube all the time with a little bit of uh, of Guilds of Ravnica. Went back to being the best of one ranked format on Arena a couple days ago on Friday. So we'll talk about Guilds of Ravnica in just a second. Um, but I, again, have not been keeping track of my cube record, but I've been doing pretty well. I think I'm up to like 11 or 12 trophies on Magic Online. So I'm not I'm just shy of that, like top trophy front page. But uh, I mean, I'm still enjoying myself with Legacy Cube. It's good to hear. Yeah. So I guess we could just dive right into talking about Guilds of Ravnica. It's really funny. Earlier in the week, you and I were chatting about that coming back and you were like, Guilds of Ravnica is my M19. I hate that format. And in my mind, I was like, hey, it can't be that bad. And after one league, I was like, yep, this format is terrible on Arena. So why is it your M19, Ben? Uh, well, the first month that the Mythic ranks were out, there was a lot of GRN grinding to Mythic rank. And I was doing it really hard because like I said that one time I really wanted to get to mythic because I never quite made legendary and hearthstone so I mean I did I wouldn't even want to guess like 100 150 GRN drafts on arena in January like was just queuing them up over and over because they go so fast too Mm -hmm. because the format is just blisteringly fast on arena or at least it was in best of one then I mean it was all healers hawk dot decks or beating healers hawk dot decks and it was so hard once you got to diamond to really get an edge in win rate. My win rate was abysmal. It dipped down to like just barely over 50%, I'm sure. If I had a guess, I would say my win rate was 55%, like once I hit diamond or something like that. This is miserable trying to rank up and there were more pips to get through and things like that. So I just, I played enough of that format and I feel like I know it inside and out on arena and I don't feel like there's tons of edges to get and the matches all play out exactly the same and I never want to play another one ever in my entire life. Yeah, I did not, play on arena when you were doing that i think there was like a, i think there was a cube out but you had sort of decided like i'm gonna stream arena if i'm gonna stream and so you were playing a lot more of guilds on arena than i was and i just think the gameplay is so repetitive i mean i already sort of felt that way from magic online but like when your opponent goes mountain plains you know what their deck's game plan is i was sort of thinking about this in comparison to ravnica allegiance like even when my opponent goes like mountain forest in ravnica allegiance I don't quite know what their deck is doing. Like maybe they have gate payoffs and they have Gatebreaker Ram and Gates of Blaze. Maybe they have Rhythm of the Wild. Or maybe they're going low to the ground with Savage Smashes. Maybe they like went all in on four fours. Like I don't quite know what their deck is going to do, even if I think of like the most basic of the guilds in Gruul, you know? Whereas Boros, I know what's going to happen. My opponent goes Island Swamp. I know exactly what their deck is trying to do. And it just doesn't feel fun at all. I. Yeah, hard agree. That format is boring as sin on Arena. So if you are going to do it, if you do want to be bored to tears, uh, I would recommend steering clear of Is It. I think that 
guild is like really hard to come together still in this iteration of the bots if they've changed the bots at all this time around with guilds. I don't know if they have, um, but is it is really a hard guild to get into for whatever reason? I think maybe they just there's too many cards that are high on the pick order and I would avoid Boros. I know people can trophy with it. I know it can do well, but I think it's really beatable like pretty easily. You can take just main deck some Hitchclaw recluses, etc. And I think you're going to be in fine shape against the healers hawk dot decks um so i i would steer towards demir golgari or selesnia i think green is again kind of undervalued crawl foragers in particular was going Ooh, super yeah. late and that's like a that's one like a totally serviceable card and two a card that beats boros like it's a really good toolbox card for your deck to to be able to beat boros and best of one so i'm like in the middle of my third league and and that's my experience so far i don't imagine that there's much more to be gleaned from the format but i i probably will maybe play a few more before War of the Spark comes out, because unfortunately, it's not going to be the ranked format for quite quite a while. Yeah, if I were going to add to that at all, when I was doing it a bunch, I really tried to start white if I could to give myself the option to go into Boros or Selesnya, because I felt like those were the two most open consistently mm-hmm. and the easiest to get into. And then, you know, if I got stuff that dictated me going another direction, I would play Demir or Golgari. Uh, very rare that I, I got a draft that I would get into, is it? Yeah. And the other piece of you know magic digital play news this week is that they introduced the london mulligan on magic online on wednesday and in preparation for folks testing for modern and i guess limited though they can't really test for limited for the uh mythic championship in a few weeks ben what do you think of the london mulligan rule for limited it is fantastic so the first time i logged on to magic online last night i was like i'm gonna test out the london mulligan and magic online conveniently gave me a seven lander or a <laughs> no lander in my seven card hand rather mm-hmm. so it was faded and I, I did my london mulligan and it feels great like i just looked at seven cards and clicked the one i didn't want and was off and running yeah i think it's fantastic i've even gone to five and not felt bad and my opponents have gone to five and we've played real games of magic I mean, this has been in cube where the power level is high or whatever, but it is really good. When it was initially spoiled, I was like, why do we need this? I mean, it's magic players love to complain about anything. But I was just like, well, the scry mulligan is great. Why do we need a new one? This doesn't seem necessary. I, I hope it sticks around. Yeah, I hope so. Also, it's fantastic for limited. I will say on Magic Online, you should watch out. I've already gotten got by it, though, once uh, yeah. not paying attention. So the second time it happened, you know, your hand lights up when you go to click the card that you're supposed to like put back on the bottom of your library, just like it's your turn or something. Mm -hmm. So I was on the play and I went to go click my land for my land drop and I put my land on the bottom of my library. And then all of a sudden my hand that I was planning to keep was not quite so good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. uh, I would not like look away to the masters while you're considering your mulligan because I think you can get got for sure. Yep. All right, so we got a whole mess of spoilers from War of the Spark to discuss this week. It's sort of an exciting time for limited players because they're spoiling commons and uncommons at the same rate that they're spoiling rares and mythics. So for the first time, really, before the full spoiler drops, we actually have something to discuss in anticipation of the crash course. But before we get into any of that, got to talk about that Patreon, baby. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited. It's a place to give back to the show if you so choose. Of course, the show will always be free, but there are some perks associated along with your patronage. And we are quickly approaching our next stretch goal to get merchandise in the hands of our fine, fine listeners. That is right. We are really, really close to getting to our threshold to start ordering sleeves, play mats, T-shirts, bro tanks, if you want to look like me on stream, you know, whatever you want. Uh, all that good stuff is hopefully going to be available to you all very, very soon. We've got the Lords of Limited Discord. We talk about that every week. I'm telling you, spoiler season, that's when you want to be in there. The first week of a new set, that's when you want to be in there. When War of the Spark drops, you are going to want to be in that Lords of Limited Discord, if you can handle it, because I imagine it will be out of control this time around, Ben. I cannot picture anything else. It's already getting getting hopping in this in the spoiler discussion yeah so uh we got a bunch of rewards for folks who want to become patrons of the show and we also want to make sure we shout out each and every new patron the first week that they join so this week we'd like to welcome eric atapong Faye, peter phileas adam kyle muhammad devin gene brasov and justin thank you thank you thank you we really appreciate your support Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. It's just awesome that every week we keep announcing new patrons. So thank you. Thank you all. 
for signing up. And hopefully we can break War of the Spark wide open with you in the coming weeks. Yeah. Well, let's dive right into it, Ben. So we're going to look at a bunch of different cards in sort of the context of prepping for the crash course, things that we're looking for in spoiler season or things we're looking for as cards get spoiled, just sort of like put them in the context of the set as a whole. And we talked about War of the Spark and some things we thought about in terms of, you know, playing against Planeswalkers a couple weeks ago. So we're going to look at cards under all those different lenses this week. Where do we want to start? Yeah, I think we're going to start with some cards that support our theory last week that I floated, uh, you know, when dealing with Planeswalkers that you're really going to want to have control of the board and there are already a couple cards that really reward you for having a heavy board presence and the first one of those is bond of discipline this is four and a white for a sorcery tap all creatures your opponents control and creatures you control gain lifelink until end of turn so this is essentially going to let you surprise kill a planeswalker if you want or potentially surprise kill your opponent um, sort of a sleep-esque card, except maybe not quite that oppressive. But the really punishing thing about this for your opponent is that your creatures gain lifelink. So ideally, that's going to let you swing out and not have to worry about dying on the crackback. Yeah, I mean, it, you said it's not quite like sleep, but it sort of plays out in the same way in that, like, let's say if your board is sort of equal, that like you get to swing out with all your creatures, gain that much life. And then what is your opponent supposed to do? Are they supposed to attack you back? Right. It puts them in a tough spot. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It puts them in a really tough spot. Um, this card, I think I, th- my goal is to just not lose to this card as much as possible. I hearkening back to thinking of sleep and declare dominance in M19 and about how both of those cards, I think like my takeaway with those when we did our M19 lessons learned episode was that cards like this mean I need to trade off aggressively. And I think that in tandem with the fact that we want to make sure we're controlling the board as much as possible. So I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for that. In addition to another card, Pledge of Unity, this is one green white for an instant, put a plus and plus one counter on each creature you control and you gain one life for each creature you control. So we haven't really seen like a ton of go wide stuff yet. You know, we have a mass, but that doesn't really let you go wide as, a, as, a, as much as it lets you go tall. But there are some plus and plus one counter synergies maybe floating around. But also, this is just huge. This is your kind of card, Ben. This is make a stand. Yeah, this card's very good. And I think the synergy with proliferate is super strong in green white this looks like an an archetype defining card for green white i didn't even think about proliferate when i was looking at this card that is ridiculous yeah Yeah, so it turns all your creatures first of all it's just good like anthem effects are just good in limited and then with proliferate this becomes busted and it it is tricky sometimes to get plus one plus one counters on your cards so this is a great way to do it to your whole board and then you know every card you have that says proliferate on it just becomes a super powerhouse anthem after you cast this card my god can you imagine having our like thrumming bird spoiler card with this the same turn you like can't imagine that yes do it and then attack and proliferate onto itself and now it's a three three flyer oh my god okay i'm done that's the deck we broke we broke the format and then we're going to take a look at some some ways to maybe surprise kill those planeswalkers you know we expected the format to revolve around them we took a look at a bunch of them last week so if you're staring down some of those planeswalkers first card on this list is thundering saratok this is four and a green for a four five trample when it enters the battlefield other creatures you control gain trample until end of turn so maybe your opponent's planning on chump blocking maybe they've got exact block lined up but you're gonna be able to get some trample damage through casting this card and then jamming with your creatures is maybe going to be a way that you can knock one of those planeswalkers down we've got toppled the statues is two and a white for an instant tap target permanent if it's an artifact destroy it and you draw a card so it's a little pricey at three mana but it cantrips and it removes a blocker i imagine that's what's going to happen either you fire this off end of turn or on your first main phase to be able to clear the way to get through to kill that planeswalker Next up, we've got Shriek Diver, two and a black for a 2-1 flyer, and you can pay one colorless mana to give it haste until end of turn. So presumably casting this with four mana, maybe potentially, and hasting it in there to deal two damage to an opposing Planeswalker. Yeah, that would be ideal, I would think. Uh, Next up, we've got Blind Blast, two and a red for an instant. Deals one damage to target creature. That's not most exciting. What's most exciting is that creature can't block this turn and draw a card. So we've got this and top of the statue as cantrip instants that remove blockers next up we've got samet sprint this is single red for an instant target creature gets plus two plus one and gains haste until end of turn scry one so this you know we were talking about haste creatures is maybe a way to give a creature haste enable an attack something along those lines and you even get that scry tacked on so if this is one mana allow you to kill your opponent's planeswalker that could be a pretty good card so i'm just never attacking in this format is what you're telling me because there's just so many ways for me to be like oh i have two blockers i guess i can attack with my third creature Nope, nope, nope. Like, there's so many ways to punish that. 
Well, planeswalkers, I think, naturally incentivize you to not attack. So it just depends on how many of them you open, how many of you draft, and what the board state looks like. I mean, I don't think you can say there's a general rule, but sure, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last one on this list is Bond of Revival. It's four and a black for a sorcery. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste until your next turn. So another way to get a surprise attacker into play. Toot sweet. We got a couple ways that I wanted to look at that like help you defend your planeswalkers as well. One of them is Rally of Wings. This is one and a white for an instant. It's uncommon. Untap all creatures you control. Creatures you control with flying get plus two plus two until end of turn. So I wonder how much an ambush effect like this will be good in the set. I mean, it certainly seems possible to set up board states where you can be pretty confident your opponent's going to attack if you leave a planeswalker vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Maybe then if you're the opposing player, you're supposed to think, oh, are they baiting me here with Rally of Wings? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. But it's like, uh, I feel like there was there's a card recently that was like, well, what are you supposed to do? Oh, yeah, the the plus one, plus three. Rally to battle. Rally yeah, to rally battle. to battle. So like sort of like rally to battle in a sense, except it doesn't give you that amazing toughness boost to all your creatures that made it so like, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to deal with it on attacks or deal with it on blocks? Yeah, it's a little cheaper. I think it's probably a similar type effect, maybe a 22nd, 23rd type card. Mm hmm. Yeah, just have to wait and see. There's also another way to help maybe enable attacks on your opposing planeswalkers while defending your own still. So Loxodon Sergeant is three and a white for a three, three vigilance. And when it enters the battlefield, other creatures you control gain vigilance until end of turn. So this can maybe enable an attack for you while not tapping your creatures so that you can still defend your planeswalkers. Could be a unique effect. It looks like a fine card to me. Maybe fillerish. Yeah, my guess is fillerish, but maybe if you've got enough planeswalkers to protect and planeswalkers to attack then it, it makes the cut i'm not sure so yeah it's all sort of going to depend on i feel like we're guessing like the same way we guessed about in dominaria about like well how many legendaries are you going to have how many sagas are you going to have in an average draft and i think we don't quite know how many planeswalkers are you going to have in an average draft we'll have to figure that out yeah and if it plays out similar to historic or legendary it's certainly going to be a big part of the format Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I expect it to. You know, I imagine they they're putting 36 planeswalkers in a set. If you're, they're making them uncommon, they want them to be a big part of the limited scene, I would imagine. Yeah. So now we're going to take a look at color pairs. Some of them are very clearly defined already. Some of them less so maybe due to cards that haven't been spoiled or maybe some of them just don't have as strong of identities as some of the others. So first one we're going to take a look at here is potentially a red black sacrifice deck or maybe a Mardu sacrifice deck and the first card that sort of leans us in that way is mayhem devil this is one black red for a three three and whenever a player sacrifices a permanent mayhem devil deals one damage to any target oh maybe there'll be i mean i know there's already this like six mana act of treason but maybe there'll be some sort of way to steal planeswalkers do you think that'd be too crazy to like have a i don't know five mana steal a any permanent until end of turn that would be pretty busted, right? Because you could potentially minus your opponent's planeswalker and then it, I mean, essentially you're just, it's like almost a control magic effect. It feels like it would have to be rare. Uh, I guess so. I guess so. That's fair. I mean, I guess if, they, if they're making an active treason cost six mana at uncommon, then I guess it would just be too busted to have anything that steals just any permanent. Um, there is also Cruel Celebrant, which is white black for a one, two vampire whenever Cruel Celebrant or another creature or Planeswalker you control dies. Each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. It's the Aristocrats, Blood Artist. It's back. It's back, baby. And there are a handful of black and red uncommons already that allow you to sacrifice creatures and or Planeswalkers for value that we've seen. So certainly there will be some amount of this going on. Right now, it doesn't look like there's a ton of payoffs for it, but definitely will be a thing that black and red are doing. Yeah. Now we're going to look at my favorite of potential archetypes here five color green question mark i was so excited when this card got spoiled the other day centaur nurturer is three and a green for a two four when it enters the battlefield you gain three life and it taps to add one mana of any color it's like oasis ritualist but gains you three life when it comes into play well not exactly in that you can't splash double colored cards if you get three of them but still seems super good yeah I, I this card seems very impressive to me and i plan to be drafting it pretty highly yeah for sure we also have paradise druid at uncommon that's one in a green for a two one that has hex proof as long as it's untapped and you can tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool so and worth noting that there are not going to be guild gates confirmed in the set maybe room for an evolving wilds yet that hasn't been spoiled but so far we haven't seen much fixing as far as the lands go looking like paradise druid and centaur nurturer are going to be two of the premium ways to fix and both centered in green yeah 
Uh, we talked about uh, Jang Yanggu, Wildcrafter, the Planeswalker, uh, a couple weeks ago. This is two and a green for a three loyalty walker at Uncommon. Each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has tap, add one mana of any color, and it has minus one, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. Uh, you wanted to revisit this card, Ben. You think it's a little better than you initially thought? Yeah, I think I undersold it a little bit. It's already going to have synergy with any amass tokens you have lying around, your single amass token that you have lying around. Uh-huh. So depending on what you what you pair it with. And minus one, getting the plus one plus one counters spread around. If you can, I still think Zhang is difficult to defend. But if you can defend him, getting three plus one plus one counters spread around your creatures for proliferate in green seems very, very strong to me. So I think I undersold this guy a little bit with the ability to spread around. I wasn't, I didn't quite have proliferate on the brain when I was looking at him. There's a lot going on in the set. I mean, I guess we'll, I think once you will start playing with the cards, we'll figure out what the sort of cross synergies are. But as I look at the spoilers, each time I feel like I learn something new about like, oh, that's how these two things will interact together. Or, oh, this gets better if I'm doing this other thing. And I think I'm sort of now zeroing in on how good plus one plus one counters are in this set specifically yeah i think the set looks just from i you know i spent good two three hours last night while i was adding to the show notes looking at the the spoilers in depth and i think there's a lot of cross synergy going on in all of the color pairs and it it feels almost a little bit sort of masters setish to me which is nothing but good news for the limited format oh absolutely Uh, I think if it's not five color green, maybe it's five color green black based on a couple uncommons that we've seen. Death Sprout uh, being, I think, maybe chief among them or or second to chief among them. Uh, One black, black and a green for an instant destroy target creature. Search your library for a basic land card. Put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. It's a pretty good rate. I mean, you think about like murder being one black, black and then green mana for rampant growth. That's pretty decent. Yeah, that card's super busted. If it's going and getting a splash color for you, that card is out of control. Yeah, agreed. There's also Leyline Prowler, which is one black green for a 2-3 Death Touch lifelink. Tap, add one mana of any color. Wow. So we've got Leyline Prowler, Paradise Druid, and Centaur Nurturer all as creatures that can tap for any mana, not just like one of them is like, oh, I just tap for green or I just tap for green or black. Any mana for all three of those. Right. And then Desperate finding you a splash. So those four cards, I think, really are going to be the backbone of a deck that really wants to splash and control and maybe dirtle around with some Planeswalkers. I am I am looking forward to trying out green black quite a bit if it is anything like these cards are pointing us towards. And I, this, these cards make me hope that there isn't an Evolving Wilds in the set. I think it'd be nice for green to like have it's as part of its identity in the set being like, if you want to splash, you got to be green. Well, and I think just looking at the, you know, we're going to take a look at the colors so far, but getting a little ahead of myself, green's commons look super deep so far. Yes, I agree. I, w- I wanted to ask you about this next card that, you know, may lead to some fixing. I mean, this is colorless fixing. This is Firemind Vessel. It's four mana for an artifact. It enters the battlefield tapped and it taps to add two mana of different colors. And I have the similar question for a few cards we're going to look at today. But is there time for a like straight up do nothing card like this in a set where we think board presence is going to be so much the name of the game? I hope so. I mean, that's a powerful effect if you can afford to take a turn off to do it. It's a bummer that it comes into play tapped. I guess it'd be too good if it came into play untapped. But I think, you know, if you're going to want to fix and you're not green so far, this really is one of the only ways we've seen to do it effectively. The question is what you're asking. Can we afford to take turn four off? And we don't know the answer to that yet. But I think, you know, once that answer becomes clear, this card's either going to be very good or not very good. Yeah, my prediction, and this is obviously such so early to be making predictions like this, but my prediction is it's too slow. And I want to play a card like this. So I feel like if I'm feeling hesitant about it, that should be ringing some alarm bells. That's what I was thinking, yes. (laughs) (laughs) There has been a land spoiled, though, uh, so far at Uncommon. What is this land we're looking at? This is Interplanner Beacon. Whenever you cast a Planeswalker spell, you gain one life, sort of flavor text-ish. Tap to add a colorless mana or one tap. Add two mana of different colors. Spend this mana only to cast Planeswalker spells. So filters you essentially for free because you're paying one and tapping this to get two mana of different colors and will help you splash Planeswalkers. Yeah, I wonder if this card is going to be a linchpin of some like you know, multicolor grab all planeswalkers you can find deck like you end up with eight planeswalkers and two or three of these in your pile. That would be pretty sweet. But this card doesn't look super great to me at the start. Yeah, I would imagine this not getting played very often or being much of a high pick. I think if you want it, 
you're going to be in that planeswalker deck probably and nobody else is going to want it mm-hmm. so yeah it doesn't seem doesn't seem great to me so we've so far only got one life gain payoff you know they've reprinted a johnny's pride mate here and i think it's still uncommon is that correct yes so with a johnny's pride mate being in standard already right it's in m19 i wonder why this card is here and i just hope it's because there's going to be more life gain synergy stuff spoiled that we just haven't seen yet yeah that would certainly be cool i think you know of we're we're gonna take a look at some color pairs at the end of this that don't have super clear identities yet at least that i saw when i was looking through the spoilers and i think blue white and white black both are two that don't have super clear identities yet and maybe one of those two is going to have more life gain payoffs in it Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice, Cruel Celebrant. We already talked about that's like the white-black gold card. And if that's sort of the archetype-defining card, then maybe we're looking at just like slowly draining out your opponent. You know, certainly having a Cruel Celebrant, a Johnny's Pride Mate, and ways to trigger that is going to be a sweet way to grow the Pride Mate. And maybe a Pride Mate's just good enough, you know, it gets one counter on it, and then suddenly you're able to abuse some proliferate effects, that sort of thing. Moving on to our next color pair, we've got red-green to take a look at here. There's a little bit of a ferocious sub theme so far in the spoilers and that is if you control a creature with power four or greater or when you cast a creature with power four or greater something to do with creatures having power four or greater and this is concentrated in red and green and i think the biggest planeswalk is kiora the planeswalker we talked about last week so kiora is two green blue hybrid seven loyalty planeswalker static ability whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control draw a card and minus one to untap target permanent yeah i mean i don't know how much this ferocious payoff is going to exist. But Kiora does seem like something worth maybe building around. I don't know. It, we, we talked about Kiora already and how we both sort of feel hesitant about its value. But maybe this ferocious theme is going to be more prevalent than it was in Ravnica Allegiance. So there's also a common that looks a little difficult to utilize so far. It's Crunch Wrangler. Uh, one and a green for a 2-1 with Trample. Whenever a creature with power 4 or greater enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on Crunch Wrangler. Also, what is that name? It sounds like a euphemism. I'll wrangle your crunch if you know what I mean. <laughs> ben, wholesome. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, this, this card seems fine as a two drop that's maybe going to get a little bit bigger in the late game but that seems like a pretty minor payoff card if you want to call it that for this this ferocious matters kind of thing yeah i mean there's also there was like a tuna red four three that can't attack or block alone so that's sort of the answered my onaki ogre question from last week of like how cheap and how at common are we going to get these ferocious enablers it looks like we're going to get them more than we saw them in Ravnica Legion. So I'm, this is definitely going to be something we'll explore and have more stats for for the crash course next week. And one of the best cards, the most exciting payoff card so far is Bolt Bend. This is three and a red for an instant. The spell costs three less to cast if you control a creature with power four or greater. And the ability is change the target of target spell or ability with a single target. And just sort of to, to lay some background here, Ethan and I work on the show notes pretty separately up until we're going to record the episode like we don't talk much during the week we might i mean we figure out what the episode we're going to do is but then we each sort of contribute to the show notes separately usually ethan's a go-getter and outlines the show notes <laughs> and does like you know more than half the work and then i come in the day before and you know flesh things out I'm <laughs> kind of a procrastinator but so we both separately talked about this card i think without reading the other person's and ethan's analysis of bolt bend is does this card get better in the context of a set with a ton of activated abilities my comment on Bolt Bend was, wow, this looks busted in half. <laughs> so okay. we had a little bit we had a little bit of a disparity in our depth of analysis of yeah, Bolt I, Bend. I imagine this will be a, a contentious card in the crash course next week in terms of our grade disparities. Wait, you don't think this card's good? No, I don't. Oh, this card's <laughs> so good. Okay. I mean you could be right. I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, but these effects are generally not good in limited. But that's because they're expensive and difficult to hold up. So if you can hold it up for one mana and you're like blanking your opponent's removal spell and killing their creature with it. Right. But this is your we're again in magical Christmas land and we're talking like the same way we were with clear the stage and uh, flames of the raised boar. Like just how often are you going to a have that creature with four power in play B have the ability to hold up one red mana and C have a relevant effect be able to be countered and redirected with bolt bend. Oh, I am ready to throw down in the crash course, baby. Wait, you. you <laughs> OK, that wasn't like a hypothetical question. I was actually asking you how often you thought that was going to happen. But I guess it's oh, clear, it's... clear by the throwdown that you think it's going to happen every game that you have bolt bend in your hand. 
That's correct. Okay, <laughs> great. Glad we cleared that up. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm certainly, I believe this to be a very powerful card out of the sideboard for sure. Um, I'm just not sure how uh, fantastic it'll be main deck. Obviously, the times when you get got by this card, it's going to be savage, but you're also not going to know how many times it's just stuck in your opponent's hand doing nothing. It's so funny. I'm such a pessimistic person normally, but I am very optimistic about magic cards. <laughs> you are. You definitely are, especially when they have to do with four power creatures for some reason. Look, it's going to happen. All right. Well, uh, Bolt Bend will certainly also maybe go in a blue-red Spells Matter theme, which seems to be quite prevalent. We got a lot of cards that look like they care about spells. Spell Gorger Weird being chief among them at Common. Two and a red for a 2-2. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Spell Gorger Weird. More stuff to proliferate. Oh my god. Cast a spell. So once you get a counter on this, then you cast a spell that has proliferate. And then you mm-hmm. trigger this again, and now it's a 5-5? Five, mm-hmm. five? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Proliferate is busted. Yeah, Proliferate's great. And I think Spell Gorger Weird is great. Like, remember how good, was it Pyremaster Hound? Something The 2-3 Trample that had the same text for oh, 4 yeah. mana. Oh, yeah, 4 mana. Right. So this coming down, I think a whole mana cheaper is pretty big game. Not having Tramples, like, not ideal. Like, that's a pretty big knock against it. But I do think this card is going to be a pretty big player in the Blue-Red Spells deck. There's also another common, Burning Prophet, one in a red for a 1-3. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Burning Prophet gets plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn, scry 1. And that's just, you know, fine creature. Getting to scry 1, super nice. I think certainly much better than the card in Guilds of Ravnica that was 1-3 Trample. Got plus 1, plus 0. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the scry is nice. This creature seems kind of filler to me, but I don't know. Maybe getting to tack scry one onto each of your spells is going to be good enough. Right. Well, I think one of the, you know, if there are spells that can't trip, one of the problems with the deck was flooding out. And I think Burning Prophet can definitely help keep you from flooding out and keep you from drawing gas. So I do think it's it's got a place in there. And worth noting that both of those creatures, Spell Gorger Weird and Burning Prophet, both trigger off of non-creature spells, not just instants and sorceries. So Planeswalkers are going to trigger them as well. And then most of the rest of these spells matter cards in blue red are actually instant and sorcery triggers yeah we've got uh flame fist adept variant here cyclops electromancer four and a red for a four two at uncommon when it etbs it deals x damage to target creature and opponent controls where x is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard yeah that's a huge payoff card for this blue red spells deck Mm -hmm. there's also in blue there's spell keeper weird this is two and a blue for a one four two tap sacrifice it return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand this is just a perfect card for this type of deck is going to help you hold the ground early and block and then later on you can get back your premium removal spell or whatever you need out of your graveyard yeah really i like that this is like a one four i like that that common was a one three like look good looking blockers here i like i like me a big butt um Augur of Bolas has been reprinted, Ben. Do you think this is finally going to have text in limited besides look at the bottom three cards of your library? I do think it is. This looks like this deck is really heavily seated into the color pair. And I think, you know, if you've got I I, actually I'm not even going to go there. (laughs) I have no idea what the math is, but I feel like if Augur of Bolas is going to do some stuff, it's going to be in this set in this deck. Yeah, Frank Carson released an article recently about like how many spells you'd need to trigger this. Um, and it, it still looks like you're gonna you can miss a pretty high percentage of the time, even if you're stocked with spells. So I'm a little wary of this card, but a one three does make me excited again as a as a good way to block my planeswalkers. There's also Bond of Insight as a payoff card that nobody else should want. This is three and a blue for a sorcery. Each player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard. Return up to two instant or sorcery cards from your graveyard to your hand. Exile Bond of Insight. So potentially getting back two premium removal spells for four mana later in the game. And nobody else is going to want this card, which is going to be a big perk of being in this deck. There's also Invade the City, and this is sort of going to be our first instance of talking about Amass, which is one blue-red for an uncommon sorcery. You Amass X, where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Um, And so we haven't talked about Amass yet. This says, put X plus one plus one counters on an army you control, and if you don't control one, you create a 0-0 black zombie army creature token first. And so I get excited about this card when I think about it in the context of like, ooh, three mana, like make a three, three, or maybe it's even better late in the game, three mana, make a five, five, a six, six. But I feel less excited about it as like three mana, put three plus one plus one counters on something. Yeah, certainly, definitely less exciting. 
Yeah. So I, I don't know yet how to think about a mass in that way, um, especially with not knowing quite what the blue and white sort of like pacifism effects or claustrophobia effects are going to be, or if there's a lot of bounce in blue, that sort of thing. Like how, how bad is it to have a, to go all in on your army token only to get it neutered in some pretty easy way from a blue or a white deck. I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like they can't put those type of effects in the format if they want a mass to be any good. Yeah. That's my guess as well. Sahili Sublime Artificer is also a nice sort of payoff card or synergy card with these. This is one is it is it hybrid mana so three mana for a five loyalty planeswalker static ability whenever you cast a non-creature spell create a one one colorless servo artifact creature token and you can minus two to have target artifact you control become a copy of another target artifact or creature you control until end of turn except it's an artifact in addition to its other types so just going to give you some chump blockers there for casting your spells i mean this is sort of like goblin slide where you don't have to pay for the goblins which Mm. is pretty good i think that is an excellent way to think about that yeah, I didn't quite put that together. I kept thinking about like, well, I want to see like, what are the artifacts that we want to be playing? But it feels like if you can just like untap with Sahili, you might be able to go off a little bit. Right. Well, and she can, she has synergy with herself in that she can turn the servos into, they can copy a target artifact or creature you control. So you can then turn your 1-1 servo artifacts into whatever your best creature on the board is for a turn. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the dream. I, I think it's just all about like timing it in some way or maybe she's not really a three mana planeswalker and maybe you're playing it on turn five playing a spell and then using the ability to turn that one one into something better there are four one and a red spells in this set so far ben at common or uncommon and they're all like pretty good yeah so we've got uh chandra's triumph at uncommon this is one and a red for an instant deal three damage to target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls um and it deals five to that permanent instead if you control a chandra planeswalker i believe the only chandra planeswalker so far and i don't imagine there will be multiples of any but the chandra planeswalker is rare so mostly for limited this is going to be one and a red deal three there's also jaya's greeting one and a red for an instant Jaya's Greeting deals three damage to target creature. Scry one, and that is at common. That's super powerful at common. So Chandra's Pyro Helix is back. It's one and a red for an instant. Deal two damage, divide as you choose among any number of targets. There's also Heartfire, one and a red for an instant. As an additional cost to cast the spell, sacrifice a creature or planeswalker. Heartfire deals four damage to any target. Pretty powerful there as well. I saw someone on Twitter, maybe it was Conley Woods, posted... I don't know what your opponent has when they have one in a red open, but you should assume they're going to be able to blow you out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so true. I mean, this is a that's a lot of power at common backing up this blue red spells matters deck. This I mean, this is the most we've seen spoiled for an archetype so far, but it also looks like all the support pieces are there for this archetype. Yeah, the two I'm most excited about right now based on where we're at in spoiler season, I think are the green black deck that's flashing around and blue red spells. Yeah. But that makes me excited for seeing what the rest of the archetypes hold in terms of the the 10 color pairs, because it looks like these two have like all the tools so far and and have more tools coming. And so I, I imagine that they've sort of decked out the other eight as well. Right. And so just to hone in on some of the other color pairs that we haven't gone super deep with actual cards on blue black looks so far to me like it's going to be an amass deck. Uh, there's like a gold blue black amass lord and there's other single colored black lord. There's other single-colored zombie lords in blue and black, respectively. Uh, Bant colors all are proliferate-centric. And so my assumption is that green-white and blue-green are really going to want to try to take advantage of proliferate and plus-one, plus-one counter synergy. And it does look like there's a lot of that floating around. And then, you know, we already talked about how blue-white and black-white don't have super clear identities yet so far that we saw in spoilers. And what's going on in white-red, Ethan? Well, white red, surprise, surprise, looks like it's going to be an aggressive color pair. Um, we've got, you know, if we think about the uncommons being linchpins of the archetypes, the uncommon gold cards, we've got 10th District Legionnaire, which is red white for a 2 2 with haste. And whenever you cast a spell that targets 10th District Legionnaire, you put a plus plus one counter on it, then scry one. So we've got a little, you know, harken back to heroic from Theros Block in this uh, text that, uh, you know, maybe you're going to want to be going tall with some combat tricks i i don't know or maybe there are some auras that we have yet to see spoiled that are good to like buff your creatures that sort of thing right and there's also our 
uh, Lords of Limited spoiler card, preview card, however you want to think about it. Uh, two and a white for that three two that has makeshift battalion. Mm, that's the name yeah, of the yeah. card, right? Uh, has the battalion throwback, and whenever you attack with three creatures, it gets a plus one plus one counter. Right. What about blue white? I guess that's just going to be another flavor of proliferate. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. I really didn't have a good handle on that one or white black. And then in red green, we had the minor ferocious stuff. But the the most solid ones to me, I think look like blue green, green white, blue black, blue red, and maybe red black. Definitely black green in there as well. And what are your impressions of just the colors themselves so far for limited? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm most impressed with green. And it also, some of the colors have more cards that have been previewed than other colors. Um, but green has some some really powerful cards. The Thundering Ceratok we already talked about, that's the four and a green, four or five that gives all your creatures trample until end of turn and has trample itself. That's just a big body for five mana in green. There's Vivian's Grizzly. It's two and a green for a two, three with an activated ability, three and a green. Look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature or planeswalker card, you may reveal it and put it in your hand. If you don't put the card in your hand, put it on the bottom of your library. So if you stall out the board, I mean, this is a great way to pull ahead and, you know, tacked on to a fine body for limited. I mean, not embarrassing two and a green for a two, three. I mean, I've played Talarian Scholars in my day. This is a really powerful common. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, it, it sort of feels like an uncommon. I would not be surprised if it's an uncommon, right? I mean, you're talking about the stats are totally fine, three mana, two, three. And this is a really big mana sink. Like you can get a lot of advantage if the game goes long. And I imagine, you know, unless this Boros deck or what, maybe maybe blue white is also maybe more aggressive as cards get spoiled or whatever. Whatever the, the deck that's supposed to keep the control decks in check in limited, if that's not super oppressive, cards like this are going to be very, very powerful. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. And I th- that's going to be as good as you have the capability to activate the activated ability, obviously. Right. But again, but again, like we said, the like floor is not that low on that card. Right. There's also Pollen Bright Druid. This is one in a green for a one one. When it enters the battlefield, you choose one. You put a plus and plus one counter on target creature or proliferate. So it can come in and just maybe be just a two mana two two on turn two. Maybe it comes in and puts a counter on something else to enable an attack later in the game or maybe it's an anthem effect late late in the game uh, if you cast it and choose the proliferate mechanic yeah this card seems busted in half to me I, i've got this as a front runner early for best green common i think best from what i yeah from what i've seen so far Ooh. it's just got the synergies off the charts so not only is it going to be a 2-2 itself at worst case it's a bear it's going to grow itself then with all your other proliferate cards or can put a plus one plus one counter on something you want to grow more than it, which is really good. And or if you've already got plus one plus one counters floating around, it's just an anthem for your team, which is also busted. It just has so much synergy packed into a two drop. I can't believe I would ever take this over Centaur Nurturer, the Oasis Ritualist card, but maybe I would. Who knows? There's giant growth in the set, single green for a plus three plus three combat trick. I mean, that's not like super powerful or anything, but it is, you know, a card that's you're not unhappy to put in your deck. I don't think it's a fine combat trick as far as combat tricks go. Yeah, it's always interesting to me, like how they choose what kind of combat trick effects get put in the set and giant growth is like the best of the bunch one mana for plus three plus three is not something we often see in limited and so i wonder like is it just it's like it's not a format where that kind of card is going to be very good or it's a format where that kind of card is very good and we're putting it in so like people have the opportunity to win combat cheaply or pressure planeswalkers cheaply all that sort of stuff Arlen's Wolf is another good common, two and a green for a three, two. It can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. So a little evasive threat there, not being able to be chump blocked. Yeah, just a fine card going to go in your green decks, I think. There's also a band together as green's removal spell. This is two and a green for an instant up to two target creatures you control deal damage equal to their power to another target creature. So not a fight card worth worth noting. This is a punch card and a double punch. You you tag team a friend in and, and go double smack someone in the face. Yeah, uh, tough to know how to evaluate this card my guess is it's going to be pretty good uh it's a little expensive and requires some setup cost but i imagine this is going to play out better than than some fight spells we've been low on in the past the last of this bunch is a card that seems really pushed to me bloom hulk which is three and a green for a four four when it enters the battlefield proliferate yeah that's just a huge body three and a green four four is just a card you'd be happy fine to play depending on the context of the format and limited plus the proliferate text just means i think this is going to be a green staple so here are my goals for the set ben i want us to finally 
have a good top three common pick order for green. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're going to get there. Yeah. I mean, usually the problem has been that green hasn't have enough good cards that we've cared to to fill out the top three green commons. And I certainly think we're going to get there this time around. Yeah. I mean, not not saying that we're going to get it in the crash course, but I'm just hoping like maybe when we check in a couple weeks later that uh, that we can actually say three things as opposed to going, well, we know what the first one is and then whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. And just taking a look in at other colors, we're not going to go super deep on cards, but red has also been looking really deep. We talked about all four of those one red burn spells. Not all those were common, but there's a lot of good cards, especially removal going on in red. Blue looks pretty support oriented so far. One card I'm really excited about in blue is Tamio's Epiphany. This is three and a blue for a sorcery. Scry four then draw two cards. So this potentially gets you six cards deeper in your deck if you're looking for a card. And I think this is going to go up in value, certainly with the number of bombs that you've got in your deck. So this is a functional reprint of a card we've seen before called 4C. It's the same same text. And this card is very, very strong. But I'm also wondering, I have the same question about this card as I had about the four mana artifact that tapped for two mana of different colors. Like, is there time for a do nothing card like this in a set where board presence is so important. I mean, this looks super powerful. This is a very, very strong card draw effect, but do you have the time for this? Like, I feel like cards like this are going to be so great when you're ahead and so punishing when you're behind. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Certainly. Um, white and blue, as far as colors, I haven't been super impressed with what's been previewed so far. They don't seem to have great creatures, white a little bit more so than blue, but but blue really is lacking some power. You know, we've had, we're getting used to these five mana, three, three or three, four flyers in blue that have, you know, bonuses tacked on. There's nothing like that so far that's been previewed. And black as a color looks fine to me. You know, I'm not super hyped about it, not super down on it. The removal spell is obviously great. There's that two and a black instant minus five, minus five, but every color pair is going to be trying to grab that and or splash it if they're possible. Mm -hmm. So past that, like, seems like the power level drops off pretty quickly in black. Yeah. Uh, to round out the episode here, we want to just take a look at a handful of individual cards that we want to talk about. Yeah, let's dive right in. I think Eternal Taskmaster is the first one I want to take a look at. This is one and a black for a two, three. It enters the battlefield tapped. And when it attacks, you can pay two and a black. If you do return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand, people are pretty hyped about this in our spoiler section of our discord. When this got, when this got previewed, I don't think this card is that good. I mean, one two mana for a two three body is just a good rate you know this i'm not saying this card's bad but i don't think this card is like b level or anything like that because a lot of the time you know if this is going to have attacks on turn three or turn four you're not going to have another card in the graveyard and we haven't seen self mill running around or anything like that so it's not like you're going to be playing this on turn two then activating its ability on turn three to draw you a card and so i think most of the time later in the game this is going to be chump attacking if it's going to have attacks or you're going to have to do some work to give it an attack. So I think the the ability doesn't really line up with the body. If this were more expensive and had more power and toughness, I'd be way more excited about it. I agree with you that I, I don't think it's a B-level card, but I think it's probably, I mean, if we're going to start talking about grades, I think it's like a solid C+. Like this is going to be better than, this is going to be above replacement level is my guess. And I think, the way to think about it is like you're happy with it on turn two. And then if you top deck it late in the game, it's like a it's delayed and it's awkward, but it does have value late in the game in terms of being like a delayed raised dead effect for getting back something that you want to play. Right. And that, but I think most of the time you're getting one thing back and this is going to die unless you have combat tricks or other things going on like that. Although it does synergize well with there's a black common two and a black three, two that uh, destroys something that was dealt damage, a creature or planeswalker that was dealt damage this turn. So a little bit of synergy there. Yeah, but you got to have you just have to have a bunch of mana to be able to use this effect and do something else that turn. Right. Yeah. But I think it's still fine. Like, I just I, I think you're not this card isn't taking over the game or anything. Right. I agree. Yeah. C plus, I think, is a good place. Lazatep Reaver is another card on this list. We want to talk about this is one in a black for a one two when it enters the battlefield, a mass one. Yeah, when I saw this, my my question was just, is this good? And I wasn't sure. And then after looking more at the spoilers, I have a pretty firm answer, I think. So I'm curious to see what your take is. Well, my take is I, it's still hard for me to evaluate these amass cards because when I look at this and go, oh, on turn, this is feels like great on turn two. I'm thrilled to get a one two body and a one one body that I can grow. 
Late in the game, I am not. I would be much happier if this was consistently a 1-2 and a 1-1, whereas late in the game, I'm not super happy about a 1-2 and putting a counter on my amass token. Yeah, feels a little awkward in that sense. I do like that this has... Actually, I don't have a firm answer. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough, right? Yeah. Getting the 1-1 army on turn two started feels pretty strong. And having having the amass token just to be able to proliferate onto maybe if you're green black or blue black or whatever like just having a place to put proliferate counters already starting on turn three seems pretty strong to me but yeah there's gonna be times late in the game where this just doesn't do a ton i think yeah it's so interesting to me it feels like you know the city's blessing was a thing that we had a really hard time evaluating before playing with it for example and a mass for me feels really hard to evaluate any of the the cards that deal with a mass before playing with it yeah certainly that makes sense i think this card's either going to be like i don't think it's going to be somewhere in the middle i think this card's either going to be a fairly high pick and a good card in black or it's gonna not be great my 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 leaning right now is that it's a pretty good card my hope is that it's a C plus. That's my hope as well. I, we'll have to play with it to keep an eye on it. That's a hard one, hard one to peg down a grade on or even how it's going to play out mm-hmm. just as far as what the play patterns with it are going to be. Yeah. Well, there's no question about this next card. Banehound. This is going to be the healer's talk of the format, right? Single black mana for a one one lifelink haste. I think so. Absolutely. L- look out, planeswalkers. You're getting a surprise one one coming at you. Well, I certainly think there's more going on here than just that. I'm I'm not making a case for this being a good card, but, you know, with proliferate in the set, if you can get a plus one plus one counter on your Banehound, you know, maybe in black green, maybe you're playing with a pollen bright druid or something. All of a sudden, you've got a two two lifelinker attacking on turn two and then proliferating from there. You know, you can sort of build your own uh, Baneslayer Angel, as it were, on the ground. I mean, I don't think (laughs) I don't think this is a great card, but I do think there's more here and there's also a red one drop grim initiate this is red mana for a one one first strike and when it dies a mass one i certainly think of the two of them grim initiate is a little stronger as a card but both of these cards look seated maybe as a way to try to get plus one plus one counters on them and grow them mm-hmm. like what what else is a one one first strike or a one one lifelink doing in this format well i also wonder about one drops that are good early in the game like these two you know maybe a being able to get in for two or three damage before they become maybe irrelevant on board. And then we're looking at, well, now how do these fit into perhaps the red, black or black, white sacrifice themes that hopefully exist? Like now you have some fodder, Grim Initiate, certainly more so than the the Healer's Hawk um, as being able to die and then either put a counter on an amass token or create an amass token itself. I think amass is actually pretty interesting in terms of Uh, the sacrifice deck like you know you don't mind sacrificing your one one army token if you know you have stuff that's gonna get that flowing again you know yeah that that's a very good point so that maybe also is a point for uh the lazatep reaver you know maybe in that black red sacrifice deck Mm -hmm. yeah maybe it brings along two bodies that get sacrificed i mean that that's why i I i hope that card's good i hope that deck exists for once like i feel like we haven't had a good red black sacrifice deck in limited in a while yeah, I I would absolutely agree with that. So both of those one drops, I want to kind of keep an eye on because I think, you know, just if you're looking at grading those cards, both of those cards are going to get a miserable grade, right? They're going to get D's or something. But maybe in the context of the format, like we should assume, hopefully, you know, in the beginning that R&D put them there for a reason and to try to figure out what that is and if there's a way to take advantage of those cards. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could just come down to the fact that like there's just a hyper aggro Rakdos deck. And those two are just like, you want to get three copies of each of those in your deck and some combat tricks or whatever. I don't know. Right. Rising Populace is another card that makes me think about the sacrifice deck. This is two and a white for a two, two. And whenever another creature or planeswalker you control dies, put a plus and plus one counter on Rising Populace. Right. So the easy comparison is to a card like Unruly Mob. Usually this card is one and a white for a one, one mm-hmm. with this type of effect without the planeswalker text. And I think this card's going to be better than those type of cards for a lot of reasons in this format one is that once you get a plus one plus one counter on this you can proliferate onto it which is great i think like three mana for essentially you know if you can maybe play this on turn three try to trade your two drop off or something or it's going to enable attacks like the threat of this turning into a three three is a lot bigger than a one one turning into a two two i think first of all Mm -hmm. and then just getting the counter on there to be able to proliferate is great as well yeah i agree 
Next up, we've got Kazmina's Transmutation. Just trying to peg down sort of how good this effect is. This is one in a blue for an enchantment. Aura, enchant creature. Enchanted creature loses all abilities and has base power and toughness 1-1. One, one. Sort of blues removal spell for the set, it looks like. I sure hope it isn't. You know how much I hated Dwindle? Yeah, I do. I think this card is worse than Dwindle. Why is that? Well, it still has power, right? And didn't Dwindle give it Defender? Uh, no, I think it just gave it minus six, minus seven. Oh, right. It could, it could, it could still attack. Never mind. Well, right. like, so this, this doesn't do anything against army tokens, right? It gives them plus one, plus one. <laughs> um, it doesn't do anything against things that have counters them all already, which like, it looks like that's going to be a pretty big theme. So not being able to stop things from having the counters on them affect the power and toughness and not being able to stop the thing from like attacking or blocking, like it can still do both. I don't know. I'm very skeptical of this card being strong like it maybe it's like a reluctantly playable card but it does not look good to me at the uh, onset yeah that's kind of where i'm at right now as well i think like not looking at it as a super high pick but probably playable but maybe only as a one of i don't know that definitely going to keep an eye on that in the context of the format and how good that feels as a removal spell yeah last card we've got on this list there's a hexproof creature at common ben ward scale crocodile four and a green for a five three with hexproof so far there have not been any like evasive or lifelink granting auras spoiled which is great and then i think that means this card's not going to be that oppressive knock on wood there's a lot of three twos running around so far that we've seen Mm -hmm. so it doesn't look like this is going to be a menace with the cards that we have previewed so far now has there been a hexproof creature printed at common that has as the set played out proven to not be super oppressive I don't I don't feel like there has. What was the hexproof creature? I guess it was humongous. Striped Riverwinder also. Uh, Striped <laughs> Riverwinder was take? fantastic <laughs> in the blue black cycling deck. You, you Yeah, know. it was great for a blue cycle. Yeah, and then you could get it back at some point, maybe. Um, so you're right. It was it was oppressive as a one mana cycler. One one blue mana draw card? Yikes. <laughs> you can just right click concede now if you want. Um yeah, word scale crocodile, something to look out for in terms of what are the auras, if any, I hope there are none that we can put on this or equipment, I suppose. We haven't seen any equipment yet either. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start wrapping things up. That is a ton of cards we've taken a look at, and I think it's going to really set us up. You know, one thing that we don't get to do with a crash course is go deep on individual cards early like that. Right. So it's pretty cool that they're doing the the spoilers or the previews this way to where a large chunk of commons and uncommons are getting previewed as well. And I hope they continue this in the future because I'm way more invested in spoiler season than I have ever been before. Normally, I just kind of ignore it and wait till the week the full spoiler drops and then, you know, start diving in on the show notes for the crash course. But I've been following along day by day um, and just getting getting excited for the set. Yeah. Shout out to Wizards of the Coast. It's a ton of stuff to coordinate i think they have like 80 to 100 content creators that they coordinated with to give make sure that every card was assigned to someone to preview throughout the spoiler season um so that's awesome and i am recognize that that's a lot of work and i really hope that they do it more in the future because if nothing else you know i'm we're always very thankful to be a part of uh spoiler season but if nothing else it really helps the limited players feel like they get to be invested in the previews as they come out as well because usually we're just used to a dump of commons the final day that they're releasing all the cards right and it's cool to see see it sort of take shape as we go deeper and deeper and so next week on the crash course we're going to be giving you all of our usual stuff as well as taking deeper looks at some of the mechanics and how those synergize in their color pairs you know what the ways to proliferate are, what the payoffs for proliferating are, how you're going to get those plus one, plus one counters around, and then taking a look at what a lot of the payoffs for a mass are as well. Yeah, and we're going to, get to do my favorite thing, which is compare our top three commons in each color. It's my favorite thing to do. I always eagerly await Ben editing that section of the spreadsheet. <laughs> wow, savage. Wait, what? That wasn't in me. That is. Oh, I thought you. Oh, I thought you. I thought you meant as in like me changing my grades because I was wrong. No, I just meant like I, I'm always like, did he put his grades in yet? Did he put his top comments in yet? Because I always want to. Comp- I'm like always wondering where we line up and what we're going to get to discuss. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be. I feel like I've gotten way better at that. I think it's going to be easier to do this time around. Let's let's hope so. I'm then maybe you'll uh, we'll get some hot takes that aren't so hot after all. Yeah, I think we're going to dial in this time. All right. 
All right. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give that a listen. You can check us out on Twitch and Twitter. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome, Mr. spelled out M-I-S-T-E-R. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Yeah, so this is a functional reprint of 4C, right? I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what that card is. That's a softball there. The answer is yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> no, I I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh.